T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hour number three of HomeAndHomeRadio.com, SportsOriginalRadio.com. Home and Home brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter.com slash EnterZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Follow us on Twitter at RDC Home and Home. Less than five minutes of commercials every hour. Most of the shows you listen to go north of 20 minutes. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. Thursday night football, Patriots and Giants. Here is what the New York Daily News says. Dear Mr. Belichick, if there is any compassion in your cold, cold heart, please, sir, have mercy. For those of you watching on the radio.com app, you see the image on the back page. It could be ugly given every offensive weapon is out for the New York football giants. Let's bring in our friend Andy Hart from WEEI. He covers the Patriots. Follow him at Jumbo Hart on Twitter. Andy, Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. Before we get to the game, let's talk pregame. Gronk makes his Fox NFL analyst debut. The column on your site right now says it <laughs> will not go well. What are your expectations for Gronk, the analyst? I'm actually pretty intrigued uh, because I think if, if they try to force him into a traditional analyst role, sit him at a desk and have three guys around him and break down the game, I don't think it'll go well. But if they put Gronk in an, in an opportunity where he can use his personality, use his genuine, fun-loving character, um, I think it may go well because he is he knows a lot of football. He's not – I know he plays the big, dumb, frat tight end on TV, and that's his brand. But I think a little bit like the old Jessica Simpson days, he's crazy like a fox sometimes. He's smarter than people give him credit for in terms of business and marketing himself. And I think he could have fun. I think he could share some insights and stories in a unique way that the viewers will enjoy. But it's certainly going to be a must-see TV, at least early on, at least tonight. Andy, before I forget, what, what's at Jumbo hard about? What's the Jumbo part about? I, uh, I went to Tufts University, the Tufts Jumbos. That's their mascot. So uh, when I started Twitter way back when, I just went with Jumbo Hart, and it stuck, and that's me. Best mascot I thought so. I, that was going to be my guess. My guess is going to be Tufts. I thought that was because you didn't seem like a Jumbo type of guy. Um, I got a Jumbo speaking head. of Jumbo type of guys, it's been kind of a patchwork unit. I respect your breakdown of videotape and film and watching guys. What have you seen from the O-line so far? What's the prognosis for guys like Isaiah Wynn coming back? And what do you, do you think that there's a chance that that unit can be what holds them back from yet another Super Bowl? I do. Um, I wrote that uh, earlier this week or late last week. I do think there's a chance that if there's a fatal flaw on this team, a lot of people are pointing towards the receivers and the passing weapons. I think it could be that offensive line because if you remember last January and February, that was maybe the most dominant part of the team. 
You know, they rolled through the Chargers. They rolled through the Chiefs. They ran the ball well in the Super Bowl. Sony Michelle had 300-plus yards rushing over three games, six touchdowns. They would set the tone early in games. This is a totally different group. You lose Trent Brown, big left tackle to free agency to the Raiders, and you're working right now because Isaiah Wynn, as you mentioned, is on IR last year's first-round pick. You're working with a journeyman left tackle in Marshall Newhouse, and you know they signed him right at the end of the preseason, right as the regular season began, and he looks like that type of guy. And it's probably not surprising he is what he is, as Bill Belichick would say. And then at center, the guy who makes all your calls, the guy who's been a captain so reliable, David Andrews, on injured reserve, gone for the season um, with blood, clot, uh, blood clots in his lungs. So they have looked like a unit that's working through some things. I do think they believe that Isaiah Wynn will be back from IR and he can go back and solidify that left tackle spot. Um, up front, Ted Karras has filled in at center. He's been okay. Um, we've seen a lot of guys over the years step in, backups, practice squad type guys that Dante Scarnecki is able to put in the lineup that have done well. I would say Karras has been sort of middling. He's been, you know, certainly not bad enough for them to lose yet, but he's looked like a backup center trying to play full time. And, you know, as the challenges get stronger, as the season goes on, the teams get better. I wonder how he'll hold up. But I'll be honest with you, even the guys that are supposed to be the starters, like Shaq Mason is supposed to be their best offensive lineman, their right guard, just got a contract extension last year. He hasn't played well. He's been part of the problem, not part of the solution. So I think as a group, they've lacked the continuity that Skarnekia, the offensive line coach, wants. But they've also, they just need to play, excuse me, play better. You mentioned the other at least presumed weak spot being the receiver position. And Ben Volan in the Boston Globe writes this morning, in need of a playmaker, would the Patriots reconsider Antonio Brown? Would they, and if they're going to pursue a wide receiver, be it A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, do you expect them to make a move in the trade market? And if so, which one would they go after? Well, as far as Antonio Brown, uh, the short answer is no. The long answer is no freaking way. Um, I see no way that they swallow their pride and go crawling back to Antonio Brown. I'm sure you guys saw it. Brown went on that Twitter tirade the Sunday after he uh, was released, brought up Robert Kraft's offseason and his issues in Florida, and really sort of scorched the bridge behind him. So even though Antonio Brown's logic isn't terrible, Patriots are going to have to pay him. They're on the hook for that $9 million likely in terms of signing bonus money. Might as well let him earn it. That's a great theory. They are not going to bring him back in because, quite frankly, he was fired. Fired is the word by the Patriots because of those texts that he sent. That hasn't changed. I think the Patriots still consider that. Robert Kraft still considers that intimidation uh, of a witness, of a woman, whatever you want to call it. So I don't think there's any way they bring him back. I do think they're looking to add to the receiver position. And, you know, there was some sort of mini controversy this week when Ben Watson comes off suspension. They don't put him on the active roster, and then they basically just let the roster exemption run out. He becomes a free agent. They release him. I think that was due to his $2 million salary cap hit that they could recoup and now potentially put towards trading for somebody out there on the open market. And you mentioned Stephon Diggs. Emmanuel Sanders is a hot name. You know, CBS Sports reported that they were interested in A.J. Green, the Bengals receiver, and Tyler Eifert, the Bengals tight end. I think they are beating the bushes around the league. The problem is they still don't have a ton of cap space. They're a little bit over $3 million right now. And most of those guys, Sanders, Diggs, uh, A.J. Green, have 10 plus million dollar salaries so even if you add them late in the season pro rate it 
you need $5 million plus in cap space to bring them in. So they have some work to do. They're going to have to create cap space, maybe extend somebody like Kyle Van Oy or one of those guys to lower his cap number. Yeah. But I think they are looking under every rock, beating every bush, trying to add a weapon to the offense. The Greg Hill Show at WEI asked, do you want them to bring back Antonio Brown? More than 3,000 voted 55 yes, 45 no. Tom Brady is aware of everything he says, everything he does, everything he likes will be overanalyzed by the public. He's Tom Brady. Why then does he still follow, in your estimation, Antonio Brown and continually like just about everything he puts out there on social media? You're right. It's strange because over the years, Tom has been so careful, so packaged. Uh, I do think he's eased up there a little bit, certainly with Instagram and now TikTok and Twitter and social media. And I think sometimes he makes decisions based on brand more than based on the Patriots, sort of the TB12 business brand and being hip and connected to a certain fan base on social media. And I think interacting with guys like Antonio Brown, who have such a massive social media following and are probably seen as slightly different brands or characters than Brady. I think that is something that entices Brady and his social marketing people uh, and all those things. But I also think Tom Brady liked having Antonio Brown here. And, you know, it's been one of the debates we've had because he hasn't really answered it one way or the other. He just says, you know, he's employee number 12. He shows up with whoever's out there and does his job. But I think he really wanted Antonio Brown on this offense. I think he wanted to throw the ball to an elite receiver, see what this offense could be with that type of weapon. And now he's sort of, I don't know if sulking is the word, but he's made some comments where it's like he doesn't really know how to react to Antonio Brown being gone and, and not having these great weapons to go to and has sort of been less than positive with his young players talking about, you know, it's really veterans that need to step up and, you know, the, the young guys are out there and they're trying, but what can I get out of them kind of thing. So I think Tom, uh, Tom Brady wanted to play with Antonio Brown this year. And I think if he had voted in that poll on the Greg Hill show, maybe he would have voted sure, bring him back because he wants to play with him. <laughs> so then my question is, speaking of what Brady wants, what's the deal with Ben Watson? What happened there, Andy? I didn't, I didn't understand that. I think it's just money. Uh, Bill Belichick said... They didn't have a roster spot for him, um, which we all know is a bunch of malarkey. They could have cut a number. You know, they have a third quarterback in Cody Kessler that's only been here a couple of weeks. Um, they could have cut one of the tight ends. Matt Lacoste and Ryan Izzo certainly aren't lighting the world afire, so they could have done a one-for-one -one tight end swap. There's plenty of roster spots they could have created. Um, I think it was basically the money. You know, as I said earlier, they're up against it if they're looking to pursue anybody on the open market. By releasing Ben Watson, they added about two, a little under $2 million to their coffers to try to pursue somebody. And I think they just looked at what he brings as a 39-year-old tight end to the offense is not going to be a dramatic change. He's not the piece to come in midseason and alter the offense, that that money can be put to better use elsewhere. I also think you sort of hear some rumblings that maybe they weren't quite as impressed with him in the summer as they had hoped to be. Maybe they saw a guy who announced his retirement, was thinking about retirement, and was sort of more on the back nine than, than really committed to the overall process of being a Patriot. So I think there's a, a couple different factors there, but to me the biggest one was money. They wanted that $2 million to see what they could do with it. Yeah, he said they did not ask him to renegotiate that number. Uh, the defense really has been the story thus far, a defense that four straight games with five-plus sacks, haven't allowed a touchdown pass in five consecutive games. I think they're calling themselves the boogeyman defense. 
Why are they so good? What makes this unit, without true superstars, other than probably at the cornerback and maybe safety position, what makes them so good? I think it's the veteran depth, the versatility. You know, Coach Belichick talked a lot about it this week. They're playing basically 20 guys on defense with regularity, and that's a really high number. Even when they've been at their best in the past, they've had some rotational guys to get up, I don't know, 14, 15. But when you're talking about 20 guys who – legitimately deserve to play, legitimate playmakers, and they've most of them have played together now for two, three years. So the communication, the flow, I don't think there's a lot of egos. I mean, they're, Michael Bennett may be one guy that's not overly in love with his role right now, the newcomer. But other than that, they just like playing with each other. They're all comfortable in their roles. A guy like Jamie Collins is back, and he's no longer sort of that rising Pro Bowl talent looking for a big money contract. He's just playing great football with in the limits of the defense and the expectations they put on him, but they're just so good and deep from front to back. You know, at all three levels, they have legitimate playmakers and the ability to do what Belichick likes to do, and that's match up. You know, when you're playing 20 guys and you can pick the best 11 for the situation, the opponent, the personnel on any given play, that really plays into what Bill Belichick likes to do. And that, now, Having said all that, they've also played some pretty putrid quarterbacks, some pretty putrid offenses. I do think the numbers are going to come back to reality at some point in the coming weeks. Probably not tonight against Daniel Jones and a Giants team with no weapons. But the numbers will come back to reality a little bit. But this defense is so deep, so talented, so much veteran experience and versatility. Um, They're legit. They're one of the best defenses that Belichick's ever had in New England. All right, Andy, uh, last one. I'm going to piggyback off of something you just said. Now, I'm going to watch it because it's a football game. It's on TV, and, I, and I'm, I have the disease. I have the sickness. But we just had Brad Evans, a fantasy guy, on. He says he's going to be watching diners and drive-ins or something. I don't know. I don't watch other television other sports. But can you give me – forget me. I'm watching anyway. Give the listeners and the viewers a reason to watch tonight's game. Other than when Brady gets 19 yards passing, he passes Peyton Manning for second place or whatever. Nobody cares. Well, if you want a gimmick, I'll tell you it could be a weather game. And some people like weather games. It's it's looking like there's going to be high winds and heavy rain at portions of the game tonight. And I know some people like the quirkiness that weather brings to a competitive battle. Uh, I would say what we just talked about, the defense is going to uh, smell blood in the water with Daniel Jones and basically no weapons. And if you're a fan of defense and maybe some big plays on defense. You talked about the sacks, but this is a team, Devin McCourty had four straight games with an interception. They've been picking the ball off, forcing fumbles, getting to the quarterback. They should be able to do that tonight. And if you, if you like defensive football, that should be fun to watch. Um, I would say the Daniel Jones factor, um, his first matchup with Belichick and Brady and sort of, if he is what the Giants hope he is, a franchise quarterback, um, you know, that early matchup with Tom Brady, how does he react to this situation? It's probably not going to go well from wire to wire, but how does he start to build that bounce back factor or that demeanor through tough times that will make him, you know, potentially a long-term stable starter for the New York Giants? So I did my best there. I'll be honest with you. There's a, <laughs> there's a chance if I didn't have to watch the game and be at Gillette Stadium, uh, somewhere in the second quarter, I myself would tune into diners, drive-ins, and dives and see what kind of big fancy cheeseburger they're eating somewhere because that's a uh, that's a good show. It is a good show. And there's also baseball on. Come on. It's a game five. It's Rays and Astros, guys. Okay, I'm so football's better than that. Football's better <laughs> oh, than that. Come on. 
I agree. I'll be watching football first. We all want to see the pregame. We want to see how Gronk does. So at the very least, we'll watch that in the first quarter. This will be a character builder for Daniel Jones. Character building time for Danny Dimes. Andy Hart, WEI, good to see you, man. Enjoy the game. My pleasure, guys. Yeah, try to enjoy the game. Ross, you'd watch anything. You know it. You'd watch Redskins, Dolphins. If you needed someone to watch football, I'm hired. So anybody out there, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. Put, I need a football watcher. I will take that job. Kind of like Dylan Miskowitz when he was looking for his director of coffee. Wouldn't have been a good job for me. So I appreciate Dylan reaching out, but he had to go to ZipRecruiter. That's why he went there. It doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. We've talked about the perils of social media here often. In fact, usually one thing that should never be done again is Instagram Live in an NFL or a major league locker room. Not a good idea. And yet again, it still happened late last night. A couple of baseball games we mentioned. Of course, the, the Nationals stunned the Dodgers 7-4. to Earlier game, though, it was the Cardinals pounding Michael Spinksing, the Atlanta Braves, 90-second knockout. They got 10 runs in the first. They cruise 13-1. to So you got the Cardinals and the Nats starting Friday night. After this Cardinals game, though, it was the manager, Mike Schilt, one of the Cardinals players, streamed his post-game speech on Instagram Live, a speech you cannot find any longer. But here on Radio.com, on Home and Home, we don't, we don't censor these things for you. So if children are in the room, ask them to leave the room or do the old earmuffs. Here is the Cardinals skipper, um, let's just say expletive-laden post-game speech. Listen. What I loved about this series is we played the game hard, we played the game right. They started some shit, we finished the shit. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we roll. We don't start, but no one fucks with us ever. Ever. Alright? Now, I don't give a fuck who we play. We're gonna fuck them up, we're gonna take it right to them the whole fucking way. We're gonna kick their fucking ass. Yeah. Let's go! I gotta tell you, Ross. I didn't expect that from Major League Baseball Clubhouse. Sounds more like something after a really intense football game. What do you think of the performance by Mike Schilt, Cardinals skipper? I, I thought it was awesome. But again, I, I, 
a lot of times we share a brain. Sometimes, like on the China thing, you decide to go off the deep end and be totally wrong. But most <laughs> of the time, we share a brain. Does he realize he's talking about baseball? Like, does he, does he realize he's talking about baseball? Baseball. Mike, what are you talking about? F with us and all that shit? Like, dude, what? You're talking about baseball. You don't actually hit anybody. You hit the ball, Mike. You throw the ball. I mean, that was hilarious to me. That guy's got an inner, like, he's got uh, football frustration inside. He wants to be a football coach so bad he can taste it. <laughs> I, I, I just couldn't help but think it, it felt like, at the very least, that must have been a very intense baseball game that was decided in the last minute, kind of like the the uh, Dodgers-Nats game. This game was over in five seconds, so I would think you would have come down so far after nine innings of boring-ass baseball and a 13-to-1 win. I don't know how much I'd have to say, if anything, which begs this question, Ross. What is harder, losing the way the Braves did by giving up 10 in the first and just getting punched in the face in the first round. Yes, Michael Spinks. Or is it harder to take one on extra innings to a grand slam in the 10th inning the way the Dodgers did as a player? So in your, in your terms, football, is it harder to lose a last second touchdown game or harder when you just get blown out and you know it's no game in the first or second quarter? Much harder last second much harder okay. last second without question like if you get blown out you're kind of like man not our day shit man they just killed us what are you gonna do <laughs> you know what i mean seriously like yeah you're yeah. like well you know they 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 deal just they destroyed us they deserve it whereas if you lose heartbreaking fashion every guy on that team spends that night thinking about the one play where they missed the block or dropped the ball or didn't get the first down or whatever the case may be, the one play where it could have been different and it eats at you, it agonizes you. Look, I'm sure the pitcher for the Braves wasn't thrilled, but he didn't feel, I don't think, as bad as Kershaw did. I mean, Kershaw, you know, was just devastated. The Braves guy is just like, dude, what are you going to do? Not my night. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there's a big yeah. difference. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, going back to high school, not professional career, but yeah, I always found it tougher to lose a close game when you felt hope, when you felt it in your grasp, only to have it slip away. And especially when you're the Dodgers, 31-year World Series drought, $200 million payroll, massive expectations in an organization that's not going to get a World Series, at least as presently constituted. You wonder if changes are on the way. Before we go, a very interesting story across the pond. Um, we usually talk about football, but let's go football and what they call football. Uh, so Wayne Rooney is the all-time leading goal scorer for England. He is a living legend over there in the U.K., and everything those players do, everything their wives do, is under a microscope we here can't imagine because the UK tabloids are all up in their business. Every tweet, every Instagram post, every time they go out on the town. Just imagine our media tenfold in terms of the coverage of their private lives, not on the field, 
but off. And that's where this story gets really interesting. The wife of Wayne Rooney, Colleen Rooney, she wanted to figure out who the mole was in her life. Where was the leak coming to those British tabloids? So what she did is she put out some real fake news to try to figure out exactly who it was and narrowing down her followers, maybe even her friends, who was feeding these stories to the media. Well, in fact, she set a trap and she found out that it was the wife of Jamie Vardy, who was also a legendary player there. I think he plays uh, for Leicester, if I believe uh, right now, Jamie Vardy, found out it was another player, another club. His wife was feeding stories to the tabloids about her. So uh, my question to you is the wife of an NFL player. Um, what is that like? Have you ever talked to your wife about that? Our players' wives aren't really talked about that much. Certainly not football. NASCAR wives, NBA wives, I think have a reality show now. But NFL wives, short of Giselle, largely stay out of the spotlight. I think you're right. I, I think that's well said. Unless you're well known, like a Gabrielle Union or whatever, or a yes. Giselle, we don't hear as much from them. Um, it was always interesting to meet the different wives. I, I'll just give you one quick thought. There's a definite difference between the wives that knew their husbands before they were professional athletes and after. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sorry, there just is. You can tell when it was a high school sweetheart or someone they met in college versus someone they met once they were in the NFL. Not always, but like 90% of the time. I just love that she took the time to set the trap. And then this Rebecca Vardy saying, uh, I didn't do that. It must have been hacked. Rebecca. <laughs> Come on, honey, please, come on. I mean, someone hacked your account, Rebecca, and didn't do anything with your account. They just hacked it to follow Rooney's account to tell the tabloids. That's all they did with after they hacked into your account. Yeah, no, I'm not buying it. Sorry, Rebecca, you lost, you got smoked, and... I, now, those guys aren't on the same team anymore, so I guess it doesn't really matter. It's not awkward for them. No. Uh, still awkward. It's a pretty small world when it comes to English football. Um, I, your point is a good one. I remember the wives that I knew well in sports. I could always tell the best marriages in sports were the ones where they met, to your point, before their husband was a superstar, before he was rich in baseball. The marriages that started when that guy was a minor leaguer seemed to be a lot stronger than the ones that started after the money and the fame came. Uh, that'll about do it for this Thursday edition of Home and Home tomorrow. Good stuff. A couple of Bills fans were married at the Bills game at halftime. How did they get that honor? Did they have to pay the drink tab for the 70,000 wedding guests? And Kevin <laughs> Millar from MLB Network joins us to weigh in on tonight's huge game between the Astros and the Rays and Clayton Kershaw. For Ross Tucker, I'm Dave Briggs. See you tomorrow.
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 